Good evening, everybody. So so grateful you could all be here. Thanks for coming. My apologies for being uh, what I hope was fashionably late. <laughs> I suppose that's better than not coming. I, for some reason, had to do a restart. Can, there, can you hear me okay? Yes, we can. Sound great, Nolan. Okay, good. Well, again, thank you all for coming. And, Don, I know you're there, and I'm, I'm just sorry... Uh, that you have this uh, digital laryngitis thing going on. I wish there were more I could do to help. And uh, I realize others also have tried. And uh, greater men than I, as they say, have <laughs> tried and probably not been able to help. So um, one way or another, we do want to, to hear from you if we can tonight in, in some fashion or another. So thanks again, everybody, for coming. It's uh, it's kind of a cool night. Uh, our first DB review you know, get together, if you will. Uh, and yes, certainly, by all means, Bob, record this and archive it any way you, you'd like. It's great. And um, we've got a, a good-sized group here tonight. I'm, I'm, I'm thrilled to have as many of us uh, here as, as are here. So um, I'd like to go around, and uh, I realize for some of us it's been a while since we finished the book. Some of us are in the room tonight having not finished the book, and that's perfectly okay, too. Um, we're here just to get together, and that's great, because we're here in uh, birthday remembrance of Alexander Scorby, and uh, today is the anniversary of his birth, and certainly since he read the book that we're here to discuss, that's sort of appropriate and fitting. For some of us, this day seemed like it would never come, I suspect, if we took it an hour a day for that long three months, <laughs> for other two months, whatever it was. Uh, for others of us who finished a little early, maybe tonight's going to be a little tough because we're going to be dredging up uh, stuff from our memory that we haven't thought about in several weeks. Because I think most of us, when we finished, um, probably enjoyed the book, but, but frankly, a lot of us were probably kind of relieved that it was done. So <laughs> if that's how you feel, you're not alone. I've, I always thought it was sort of a quest. It, it was a kind of personal literary Mount Everest for me, and I'm glad we achieved it. So anyway... What I'd like to do is just go around and get general comments and thoughts and feelings about the book from those of you who read it. Those of you who didn't need to also just chime in and uh, let us know you're here. Please know that you're welcome, and we're such a we're we're so grateful to have you here. So whomever wants to start can do that. Well, I'm Bob Acosta from Chatsworth, California. I wish I could say I finished the book. I got a few hours into it, but I'm also here because I'm a great admirer, lover of the reading of Alexander Scorby, and I hope you'll talk more about him in this hour. And I'm looking forward, and it's great to meet some of you fine people that I see on the list, like Mary and Nolan, and, and I know Don and, and Nolan, but uh, and many of all the rest of you. So it's great to be here. Thank you. Hi, it's Alan Limley from Memphis, Tennessee. Uh, I, I stuck with the book. I was one of the ones that actually stuck with the hour-a-day schedule and finished yesterday. And... Uh, uh, wanted to participate for a variety of reasons. It was, uh, like Nolan said, uh, uh, something that I've always heard of and uh, uh, just felt it would be a good book to, to, to have under my belt. Uh, I think I mentioned some to the people at the beginning before we started that uh, I wanted to learn a little bit about the history that uh, uh, I'm, I'm lacking in. And uh, this was the first thing that I'd read that, uh, that Scorby had uh, narrated. So I wanted to enjoy him, and I thoroughly did, and uh, I was glad I stuck with it. Uh, I learned a lot, enjoyed the characters, and uh, uh, I felt I uh, learned something to boot. 
Well, I'm Barb O'Connor from Minneapolis, Minnesota, and um, I'm glad that I stuck with it. Now, please don't, I hope there's no quiz, no, because I read it, and at the time, I enjoyed it. Um, you know, there were parts that were boring, the, the war scenes and some of that, the uh, geography, that has never been my forte. Um, but you did get involved with these people, and that's what kept me reading, wondering what was going to happen to individuals and if things were going to work out. So um, I do not regret the time. I started out reading a couple hours a day. I got a little bit ahead. And then I put it aside for a while, and I thought I was going to have to fight to finish. But I did manage, and uh, now I can say I read it. And part of the reason I read it was because of Alexander Scorby, because I hadn't read anything from him for a long time. So that was fun. Well, this is Mary Emerson. I'm one of the crazy people who finished it before, just about everybody else did. <laughs> I think part of it was because once I got started, I got interested in the people. And it was uh, kind of motivational for me to read it because I've got friends from that part of the world. And I figure if I'm going to have friends from there, I really need to learn something about their history and to at least read that book. So I did, and I've got my packmate here with a little cheat sheet file in there that I started when I started reading the book so I could kind of figure out who was who because I don't remember. It's been two months. <laughs> I can barely remember what went on in the book. <laughs> so anyway, we'll just see how it goes here. Um, hi, my name is Joan Leonard. Lots of people call me Joni. I'm from Edison, New Jersey. And I started the book. I must have read 10 or 12 hours of it. And Parts of it I found were fairly good, but I don't like war things. I don't like battles. Um, a lot of the names were just too much for me, and I got bored. And I wanted to stay with that I had good intentions. But, of course, then other books came into my purview, and I just I love reading. And there were a lot of other books that I wanted to read, and so... I was naughty and left War and Peace to read other goodies that I have gotten recommendations from the um, from your review list, Nolan. So I'm not entirely bad because I've been reading some awfully good books. But I do love Alexander Scorby. Uh, I've grown up with reading his works and what a wonderful reader. And happy birthday, Alexander Scorby, today. Well, I'm Leela Struve from Colorado, where it's snowing. Um, we're under our winter storm watch. I really liked the book. And it was really interesting to me. It was a very long book. And it's so funny because I even got my friends involved not reading it. But there's how many hours you got to go? How many more hours? How many more? 60. How many? 50. 40. It's so funny. Leela, you're crazy. Yeah, I know, but I'm not crazy alone. And I really, really, really enjoy Now, the first part of it, um, like others have said, getting to know the characters, who is who, which goes to which family, that was hard in the beginning. But toward the end, like someone said on the review list, um, 
you get to know and kind of love these characters. They kind of get into your heart, you know. It's like, wow, what's going to happen to this person? Or what's going to happen to this person? Now you're all going to really laugh at me because, yes, I finished the book. But now <laughs> I am reading the dramatized version. I had to do it because I was looking on YouTube and everything for the movie because somebody said, and I can't remember who, they said that they got... Um, DVD set of the movie or something like that and I like I said I don't remember who did that but I uh, was looking for it and because I didn't want to buy it yeah it was bad but so I'm actually reading the dramatized version and I'm on the second part of it now and it is really good if any of you you know if you guys like that book or if you couldn't refinish it you might want to try the dramatized version it was it's really really good and it's interesting because some of the characters that I didn't like in the beginning, I ended up really liking at the end. Yeah, I was the one who got the BBC dramatized version on DVD. And it's long. <laughs> so I don't know if it's the same one. It might not be the same one as Audible. That would be interesting. But it's funny because all these characters in the drama version all have British accents. And I'm sitting there going... How do you speak of the British accent and a Russian accent at the same time? Because they didn't have a Russian accent because they were all British actors. <laughs> but I thought that was kind of funny. I see Aaron here and Trisha. Are you guys able to uh, use the microphone? Uh, by the way, real quick, uh, F7 lets you see who's in the room, up and down arrow. F8, you could write something and enter. Perhaps Joni will catch up on that on that. She's pretty good at doing that. That's the text chat. F9, let's, let's just read it. So F8, write something, enter, and F9, let's just read it. Okay, welcome to those who are here. I don't know that Erin is able to talk. We're going to give her a shot in just a second if she wants it. Um, she's She's one of these remarkable people who has been facing the technological warfare of uh, Windows 7, JAWS, and uh, uh, display mirrors and all that funky stuff that uh, I haven't been brave enough to tackle yet and I I watched that that lone soldier out there taking on this this freedom scientific behemoth and uh, my heart's been there with you every step of the way believe me I just haven't had the bravery to do it so um, and Trisha is here uh, my daughter who is part of the list and has been a sort of co-moderator from the very beginning um, and she too can glance at the text chat should any of those come in. Um, any other thoughts, general thoughts and feelings about the book before we get into things specific? And before I let go, very quickly, Bob, yes indeed, we are going to talk about Scorby in just a few minutes. So those of you who may not have finished or didn't read it all, uh, please stay with us. We're not going to leave you out of the mix here. Any other thoughts generally about the book? I had a hard time during some parts of the book and I'm not finished because this is Aaron by the way um, I started to yawn towards the end about the I don't know 12 hour mark when he started going he started several chapters uh, talking about his view on what caused everything and the history behind everything and I just keep yawning through all that and I know that I'm eventually going to finish it I'm about seven hours from the end but I just couldn't quite get there because I'm having to wade through all of that and I just find all of that very tedious 
But all in all, I, I did enjoy the book, and I, I enjoy all of the characters, most of the characters anyway. I really, they got into my heart, too. So overall, it was a good experience, and of course, Scorby is just wonderful. I think several of us found the uh, the philosophical discussions of cause and effect and, and all that a little, a little a little long-winded, and uh, uh, I was able to get a, get some sleep, too, through some of those passages. I'm not sure why that was even there at the end. I mean, it didn't make any sense. Um, I have a comment on the, the characters. Yes, there were some characters that at the beginning I did not like, but they grew on me, um, and things, you know, as the book progressed, they became more likable. Now, one thing that struck me from the book, and I, I'm interested to see if anybody else um, picked up on this, the chapter titles were so interesting because they were a very short synopsis of what was going to happen in the chapter. And I've never seen that done that way before. I've, I've never noticed that in any other type of book that I've read. But you actually kind of got a very capsule version of what was going to happen. I've seen this in books from like centuries ago, eight, 19th century and before. I can't think of specifics, but I do know that I've, I've seen it before, perhaps in some of the Jane Austen books. I really don't remember. But... Um, it, it did sort of prove to me that this was written a long time ago, at least from my perspective, because of those little synopses in there. Um, and if I had, if it had been marked up like most of the modern um, books are, digital books are now on Bard, um, I probably would have skipped those um, tedious ones because the synopsis kind of indicated it was going to be tedious. But I was afraid to skip ahead in, um, in the version we have now because the chapters weren't individually marked. Yeah, I normally don't like to to have any kind of hint about what's going to happen, but I found I kind of ended up liking those uh, those little synopses simply because more probably because of the nature of this book and it was a lot of history and a lot of the uh, Russian stuff that uh, uh, otherwise might have, might have got past me. So I, I kind of I kind of welcomed the uh, the little the little summaries and it uh, kind of. Uh, I thought it was very helpful to have that in there. I think a lot of those chapter descriptions were the translation uh, up to the translator because there are a couple other versions of the book that don't have any of that. So I suspect the translator's discretion was kind of what to what took place there. With but that was really helpful because you knew when you could go to sleep during the history part, <laughs> it was really helpful, and you could kind of tell how the the direction of the plot was going to go with it. What, I was wondering, was this like Dostoevsky, where they were writ the book was originally published chapter by chapter in the newspaper? Yeah, yeah, I believe it was. But um, at the same time, it was released as a book later on. But his wife had, to, Tolstoy's wife, had, I believe she was the one who, who copied it and uh, got it into some reasonable shape because apparently Tolstoy wasn't real thorough about editing his work and even nowadays if you if they find um, new manuscripts of his they're going to be all marked up so that was one thing that um, she ended up doing was um, took a lot of nerve I'll tell you <laughs> it's a long book to copy by hand okay um, well first of all uh, way to go Aaron I'm, I'm glad you were able to, to jump in there I didn't 
I was under the mistaken impression that your microphone didn't work or something at one point in time, so it's great to, to know that it does. And Dave and Rick, welcome to the group. Uh, Dave, I know you had mentioned earlier in an email that uh, you may not be able to participate with us via the microphone. Um, just recall that tapping F8 will put you into the text chat from which you can write, and then um, someone here, Trisha's, uh, on the on the in the group, and she can look at it and read uh, any comments that perhaps or others can as well. So, welcome to both of you who, who chimed in while we were there. We were just talking about general comments, thoughts, and feelings about the book, and uh, I would say generally that I too there very much enjoyed the book, and I liked a lot of the sort of sub themes, if you want to call them that, that that seemed to run through the book. The, the I guess my favorite uh, in some regards well there were two that really stood out for me and I wrote about a couple of them the first was that constant parallel of war and peace war and peace you know the descriptions of nature the, the, and Mary you pointed this out in an early email back in the fall the, the beauty of the writing that scene where Pierre and Andrew are talking together and that that scene where where Dave uh, where um, uh, Pierre and Andrew are talking together was just beautifully written because you had all that description and uh, so anyway there were lots of other scenes in the book where you, there were that that contrast between war and peace scattered throughout that, that stood out for me and I understand why this is a classic um, I'm never going to read it again and I would never have finished it had it not been for Scorby. I feel sorry for anyone who had to tackle this in any other way because I'm sure it was exponentially harder. But uh, So that was one of the themes that stood out for me. The other that, that really got to me and still leaves me thinking months after I finished it, or weeks at least, was the idea of the, that's, how do I put it, the redemption that Pierre had to go through and the fact that so many people in our world too currently are searching for some kind of spiritual direction that they just don't have and he clearly was searching and rejected things and tried things that ultimately failed him and uh, just any number of things happened for for Pierre that I think helped shape him and help him helped him become a far better person than he was when he and uh, and Elena, Elena, whatever her name is, uh, Elaine, whatever her name is, I'm, I'm blanking on it now, um, first got together. So I don't mean to, to hold on to this so long. I apologize. I just I really did enjoy the book, and I enjoyed Scorby's work with it. So um, let's do talk about, maybe you could talk about your favorite and least favorite character. I think for me, Pierre was one of my very favorite characters just because he had to work so hard um, from a spiritual level to achieve the things that he ultimately did and I don't know that I had a least favorite um, if I did it sort of faded from memory by now so I'll, I'll leave it at that and we'll just kind of go around and jump in as you see fit those of you who finished the book well I'll jump in uh, I really appreciated the fact that Tolstoy had some comic elements in the book and I know this is a general comment but I tell you one of my favorite characters was that Denisov that that Scorby had talking like Elmer Fudd from the old Bugs Bunny cartoon strips. All those blurring of the, his R's and W's to Malo and Wostoff. I just, uh, I just really got tickled at him, and I really liked that character. And uh, uh, 
the other character that I didn't like is the one that's uh, one of the bad guys in the Harry Potter books, the Dollarhoff guy, because uh, uh, he just I mean, he seemed to look out just for himself, and I didn't care for the way that he uh, uh, well he was he got involved with the, trying to help that Anatole uh, uh, with Natasha and 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 and, and, and thwart her relationship with Andrew, and and then he you know gambled uh, with Nicholas Rostov and took his money and just. There were lots about him I didn't like. I, I think he was kind of the bad guy. But uh, like I said, the Denisov guy—I I was just—I I, I was tickled every time he, he spoke. Um, Aaron, again, just to clarify, I was having problems with the conferencing software with it letting me allowing me to talk, and Windows 7 has cleared up the problem. It's either Windows 7 or the new updated version of this little plug-in. Um, I, for my part, identified a lot with Pierre and his. Uh, spiritual struggles and coming of age uh, and so for that reason he was probably my favorite character um, followed closely by Natasha and her she really grew up a lot um, and that you know a lot of the things that she did and a lot of the uh, struggles she went through romantically um, really you know touched me and the fact that she recovered from all of that uh, regarding Dolohoff I, I didn't like him either um, but it, it talking about him makes me think of the, about the fact that these characters are very human um, he was a pretty disreputable sort of fellow but as Tolstoy pointed out he had a terminally ill mother that he looked after and it, it just points to the fact that these characters, a lot of them were very human, very complex. I'm thinking also of, of Andrew here as well in that regard. And um, the humanity of all of these characters gave this novel such excellent depth. And uh, was one of the things that really is making me finish it, even though it's a long, drawn-out process for me. I think my favorite character was Natasha just because of what she did go through and it's funny because it's interesting what you see when you read it quote unquote a second time I'm not reading the book a second time by the way Nolan I agree with you I would never read it again it's funny though because my husband is like ooh should we read it together I was like oh no it's too long <laughs> no no uh uh um but Natasha is my favorite because e even in the dramatized version, I see how she was really, really misled. She didn't have her mother there to say, no, Natasha, this is not right. You cannot enjoy Anatole's um, courting or whatever you wish to call it toward you. you that's not okay. And... You know, she didn't have anybody. All she had was La Belle Hélène, and that girl was a bit of a, well, we all know what she was. Um, but, you know, she just, poor Natasha didn't have the right company. And so I, I she was really my favorite, because as you said, Erin, she grew up. She really did. Um, you know, in the end, she takes care of Andrew and, and uh for a little while it looks like he's going to recover and then he doesn't but you know they for he forgives her and you know they they mend and then um 
my least favorite has to be Anatole. He is just, I mean, he comes and he was going to, he meets uh, Princess Mary, and then he gets found with Madame Borean. <laughs> and then, again, he misleads Natasha, knowing that she's engaged. Everybody knows she is. So you know, he's my f- least favorite. However, I did feel bad when his um, when he got his his leg chopped off. That I mean, sure, he's my least favorite, but I don't want him dead or anything like that. So that that was really sad. Yeah, Anatole is my least favorite too, especially since I found out it was kind of buried in the chapter somewhere that he was already married, <laughs> and yet he's still going around womanizing all these women who were to some degree or other innocent and uh, and yet he married this rather obscure daughter of a landowner in Poland a couple of years before any of this happened but no I, I just thought he was awful but I think as far as my favorites um, I think the whole Rostov family just had this incredible warmth about them yeah they had their faults like everybody but there was just they were people who wanted to do right like the scene that really stuck with me was where they're getting the wounded out of Moscow and um, at the same time the Rostovs are filling their wagons full of stuff from their house and Natasha has this insight that says oh no 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 we've got to help the wounded and you know she has all this stuff taken off and put back in their house and so they don't get to take very much with them when they leave but at the same time the wounded are saved I thought that part really really touched me a lot I just thought that was lovely and it just showed how how the family was just so so wonderful and I've just got to say that whole family even though some of them were kind of I don't know but (laughs) generally they just had this warmth and exuberance about them was just marvelous yeah, the uh, the Karagans, uh siblings, Anatole and the beautiful Elaine. They, I think they were they were the they were the bad element, or the they were supposed to be the bad guys, pretty much, because they both obviously didn't really have moral compasses. But uh, uh, but another person I really liked was the, the count, the, the old count Rostov. And bless his heart, I mean, he, he he couldn't manage his affairs and stuff, but the, you just knew he was a good guy. And he was, you know, he was always had had a smile on his face and was trying to, uh, you know, bring life to the to the party, so to speak. And uh, and uh, you know, and he was the one that wanted to to dump all the possessions out too and fill the wagons with the wounded and uh, you know would look to his wife for approval. But uh, uh, you, you just had to love him. I wish I knew how they spelled Ilya. I L Y A, I believe. I've seen it in some other books, and that was how it was spelled. I mean, it's the Cyrillic alphabet, so maybe there are multiple spellings for the Roman alphabet, but that's how I've seen it spelled. One thing I want to mention, too, is the interesting contrast between Andrew or Andre and Pierre. It's like Andre was kind of searching, too, but he didn't search outwardly. He kind of brooded on a lot of things and sometimes he thought he almost had it but he never quite got it. And I think it was Pierre's um, desire for searching and participating actively that finally got things together for him. Plus I think he was the one who met that peasant near the end when he was in prison 
and that peasant really had his head on straight. He, I think he was the one that got Pierre in the right direction. This is Don. I don't know. I've been thinking how I'd bring this in. You know, there's been some complaints about all the philosophy and stuff, but I remember reading an article, I don't know if it was Natural History or American Heritage, about the Japanese kamikaze pilots who were volunteered to do it. They didn't ask to, but they were volunteered to do this, and they were spending their last hours sitting in the ready room reading War and Peace before they went out to do their mission. And I, I, I don't think I'd spend the last two hours of my life doing that. Oh, my. Now, that's interesting. My goodness. I, maybe, I'm not trying to be too tongue-in-cheek here, maybe those who ordered them to read War and Peace thought that it would draw out that final couple of hours. I'm not sure. That might be one way to spend your final time if you wanted it drawn out a little bit. And that's not fair because the book really was on balance quite good and um, I came away with a lot of ideas that I hadn't had and I learned some history uh, from it. Uh, at least from Tolstoy's filter that interested me a great deal as well. Is there any portion of the book, and again, I do promise to get on to a more general discussion of Scorby in just a few moments for those of you who haven't finished. Is there any portion of the book that kind of stood out for you that really caused you to think or that perhaps um, still has a, a memorable place? For me, there are several. God, I feel like I'm hogging time here. For me, there are several, and I, but I think the one that stands out for me the most was after Pierre had had that duel and he was going, you know, where was it, to Petersburg, and he met the Mason and decided to explore that area. And I think that that portion where he decides to do that and goes through the ceremony and things really stands out to me as his beginning quest to to find himself spiritually um, that and there was one scene I think it was Andrew was on the battlefield and it's like was said a few minutes ago he almost had he almost had it um, he was he was about to go into battle and he either that or he had just been wounded I can't remember which this book was really long but um, he he looked at the grass and the sunlight and the trees and and felt like he almost had i guess the meaning of life would be the the one of the ways to describe that he almost had how it all fit together but then it it kind of eluded him and i think those two uh, portions of the book stood out to me the most i think the portions that stood out to me was the part i think that Aaron, you're talking about where he got the sky, where he got wounded. For some reason, that part is like, he keeps saying, the sky, the sky, how beautiful the sky. That got to me. Also, the whole Christmas um, deal where they got all dressed up and they went on the sled and they sang and they celebrated and the, all the Rostovs and I don't remember who who they got together with but that was just an it was an awesome scene Christmas you know very Christmassy very family very celebratory very it's kind of like the calm before the storm basically well I think the thing that I that most affected me about the book is I mean I grew up and 
Russia was thought of like an entirely different way. I mean, they, they, these guys were the enemy in the Cold War and were living through all that. And this just, you know, gave me a, a little insight, I think, into what the Russian people are really like. It's, I mean, it's totally different than what, what we were presented with when we were kids growing up and stuff. And uh, I, I just enjoyed seeing that side of it and uh, – uh, the way they the way they dug in and and fought back uh, to to get the usurper Napoleon out of out of their country, uh, I, I just really I really enjoyed that, and I also enjoyed uh, the, the 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 some of the class presentation, which you know we, we kind of lose sight of since the the Russian Revolution that's happened. With you know you, you kind of lose the, the perspective that all these people or all these main characters are all you know the upper class and uh uh but i i just i enjoyed getting to see that side uh, of a people that i've always kind of thought of as bad guys and it's just uh kind of put a different different perspective on it and i and i and i also i and i've lost the guy's name but i also like the uh the military commander of the russians the, the supreme the supreme highness or uh, i've lost his name but uh i like the way he presented, uh, uh, you can tell Tolstoy kind of had a soft spot for him. And uh, and some of the insults he, he hurled at all the other commanders that were in it for themselves, and particularly the Germans and such. So, uh, anyway. I liked, it was, well, I liked other parts, but just toward the end of the book, and actually it might have been in that first epilogue, um, when Andrew's son, and for the life of me, I can't think of his name, um, he was kind of, I felt bad for him because he was basically raised by uh, Princess Mary, and she didn't know if she was doing the best she could for him. And he went into, uh, was it Pierre's office, and, and kind of and broke things up, um, uh, pens and pencils and just really made a mess because he just he just didn't know how to deal with things. Dave Bond um, has written it's just nice to put voices with email so I just wanted to include that so that his comment gets included also. I wonder if we shouldn't go around and identify ourselves again because we've got new people. Hey, I'm Alan Lindley from Memphis, Tennessee. I'll identify myself again. This is Don Queen from El Cerrito. Mary Emerson from San Jose, California. Leela Struve from Colorado, Denver. I mean, Denver, Colorado. Bob Acosta. I don't know what we're doing. I just walked in. I'm sorry, but that I am he. Chatsworth, California. And I'm Joan or Joni, whatever you choose to call me. Joan or Joni Leonard from Edison, New Jersey. And Bob had asked me to read the text chat and... There was just the message from Dave Bond that I just read. And I'm Barb O'Connor from Minneapolis, Minnesota. And I'm Aaron Edgar from Raleigh, North Carolina. I'm Nolan Crabb in Columbus, Ohio. And I think Don Horn was here. I don't I haven't looked here. Yep, Don's here, and Dave announced himself as being here from Lancaster, Pennsylvania. And uh, I, I guess I didn't know that's where you were, Dave. That's great. It's, it's good to have you here. Um, and let's see, and Don is, as I said, Don Horn is with us from uh, Long Island. I, I believe maybe um, not at home 
per se tonight, although maybe he is. I, I don't recall. Uh, anyway, uh, any, anyone else who hasn't jumped in and we didn't hear from you? Also from Columbus. Um, I'm Nolan's daughter, a very silent contributor, but um, you hear, I'm here nonetheless. Trisha C., welcome, and so glad you're here. Thank you for all the hard work you do with your dad on the list. Okay. Um, I don't want to wrap this early because I do want to get into a more generalized discussion here a little bit in just a couple of minutes. Are there any other, eh, we don't have to call them closing thoughts, but, but sort of other thoughts regarding the book that we want to go over? It was so long that it's hard to, do, to condense it into this little period of time that we all have. And uh, I know that's not easy. And I appreciate those of you who remembered the name so well. You've brought back, frankly, for me, a lot of the memories of the book. I, I finished it in sometime in October, I guess. Uh, and October was kind of a long month for me for a lot of reasons. So, But are there any other thoughts about the book? My thought would be, and I'll express mine and then hurry and let go, but my thought would be that I could never, as I said earlier, have never have finished it without Scorby's outstanding narration. I thought that he really um, captured all the nuances of the book, and he, it, I don't know, you just, you knew you were in the presence of greatness uh, just listening to him narrate this thing. It was really an excellent narration. I just want to say two things. Alan, I have to agree with you. I grew up in the drop roll and draw, uh, drop tuck and roll era, if you will, um, where Russians were made to be bad people. And to see this book was just awesome because you see these people as human. And another thing, too, Alexander Scorby. I've heard him narrate the Bible. This is the first um, book I'd heard him narrate besides that. Gosh, he's so fluent. I mean, he's fluent in the language. I mean, even when he was narrating things, he would... Hurrah! Hurrah! I mean, he would... You know, some of these narrators try and, and do other voices and, and other accents. He didn't do that, but oh my goodness. He would turn away from the mic and, and you know, when people were far away. Oh, he was just awesome. And he is, like I said, so fluent in, in many languages. The French, uh, the Russian, the... It was awesome. I have to say... I, I will say, too, his voice is very soothing, very relaxing. Amen. <laughs> Don Horn said, uh, Scorby doesn't read books, he lives them. And oh, how true. Because, oh, man, I, I just can't describe what I feel because it was just awesome. Um, it was just, I'm, I'm really, like I said, I'm glad I read it. And... Um, I don't remember who recommended the Fall Classic, but whoever did, whether it was you, Nolan, or someone else, it was awesome. I have to put in a comment here and put in a pitch for um, the sword and the stone that's up on the site. It's uh, Alexander Scorby narrates all of that in the King Arthur Once in Future King series, but you've got to read The Sword and the Stone to hear Scorby at his absolutely most delightful. It's supposed to be a children's book, but I read it every Christmas just because it's so much fun, and he loves it. He gets into all the characters, and oh, you know, it's, it's just fabulous. So 
Um, I highly recommend The Sword and the Stone. Yeah, Scorby made the book. I mean, it's just no question about it. His narration was just outstanding, and it's just uh, uh, I found that, you know, I, I, I probably tend to put too much emphasis on the, the narrators, but, I mean, some of these guys are just flat-out good actors, and, and he was just, you can just tell a difference between the ones that are just reading it to collect a paycheck and the ones that really get into it, and he was really into it. And uh, I've got Sword and Stone as one of the books I've downloaded based on the comments, so I'm, I'm looking forward to getting into that, too. And I, I remember the, the military leader's name was Kutuzov. So. Um, one of the things that you um, need to realize is that Alexander Scorby came from, well, he was an actor. Um, that was his profession. But he did a great deal of acting in radio. And the really, really, really super good talking book readers in the, well, I wasn't around in the 30s, but let's say in the 40s and the 50s, even into the 60s and into the 70s, were people that came from radio. And Alexander Scorby did radio, he did TV, he did soap operas. He did serious docu documentaries. Um, I believe that he did Shakespeare um, on Broadway. Um, he was on Broadway in different plays. And the sheer amount of acting he did uh, just shows in his work. And the reason why he started reading talking books was to make some money because a couple of his friends had told him, hey, you know, you can make some money when you're, it was depression time. And his friends told him, you can make money by reading books for blind people. So he went over to AFB and he started reading and read until, I guess, till, till he almost uh, died. I mean, I forget when the last book was that he read. But I've always been a big Alexander Scorby fan, and he is just fantastic. And to hear him again after many years of not hearing him, oh, gosh. But I didn't stay with the book. Sorry about that. But I may go back and read it. I always had my readers go through the talking book topics and just mark off Alexander Scorby and then send it in. And I could say they grew up on Alexander Scorby, hearing him on the talking book. You just took some thoughts out of my head. I was just going to say, wouldn't it be awesome to hear Alexander Scorby on record? One of, I think it was Leela who mentioned listening to his interpretation of the Bible. Um, I don't want to get too far afield with this, but I, I guess we can move into a, a generalized discussion of Scorby. We've sort of done that, I think. In 1977, I was uh, 19 and was about to embark on a uh, two-year missionary experience for the Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints, the Mormons. And one of the things that were, was stressed in the letter that I was sent in preparation for that was, you may only bring two suitcases. Well, that, <laughs> that meant I couldn't bring a Braille Bible, <laughs> to say the least. And obviously I couldn't bring a recorded one because obviously a talking book machine would have added a third suitcase, if you will, or piece of luggage to that mix. And so I spent a great deal of time converting um, the old records, the old uh, 
I guess they were recorded at 16, but it doesn't matter anyway. The point is, I spent a great deal of time between the end of my freshman year at college and the beginning of that experience, April and June of that year, converting from records to cassettes the entire Old and New Testament that Scorby read. And I tone-indexed each verse and chapter, and it was this huge labor. <laughs> and I will remember it always, I think, as being this, this incredible undertaking. But it was made easier by his poetic... A magnificent narration of of the uh, the Old and New Testament, and I will always remember the sort of almost youthful eagerness uh, in getting into that project in the morning. I would start quite early after my folks had gone to work, um, six or six thirty in the morning, and would go sometimes until nine thirty or ten at night with very little breaks in between. And uh, we did manage to get it all done in that you know just under three month period. So, but anyway, uh, that's one of my early memories, and they weren't really early, but one of my memories most vivid of Scorby and his, his work. And had anyone else read that, I'm not sure I would have been able to have the stamina to stick to it and get those conversions and that tone indexing all done in the amount of time that I had. So I guess he'll always be an important part of, of who I was. Any other thoughts on Scorby himself and your memories of things that he's read in the past that impressed you or that really left you... Uh, uh, somehow better off than you were. When I was in high school, I believe he read this. Um, I, I hope I'm not proven wrong. But um, I had to read 1984 by George Orwell as a as a project in my senior year in high school for my English class. And that left me, I mean, it was absolutely fantastic. I can't say enough wonderful things about it. There was a scene towards the end when the main character was, well, I don't want to spoil anything for people who haven't read it, but the main character was essentially begging to be let live, and that just, I mean, tore me up. It was it was so wonderfully done. Um, he had, I mean, he almost made you think he was the character. It was it was so powerful. And um, to this day, because of his reading of it, I've read other people's uh, interpretations of the book, but uh, including a good one done by Frank Muller. But uh, because of Scorby's reading of it, it, it's remained one of my favorite books of all time. I had a college professor who told me that uh, Brave New World was better than 1984, and I said, no way. Um, the reading of it by Scorby was, I mean, it just gave me so much more appreciation for the struggle in that book. And in comparison, other books that have political messages in, in them like that just don't stick with me like that book did. One time I read a book um, that was read by Scorby, and it was by a gentleman, I think his name was Ved Mehta. Um, he was an Indian boy. Well, he wrote a lot of books about himself. And I read this one book and um, Ved was saying how much talking books had helped him and that one of his favorite readers was Alexander Scorby. And Alexander Scorby read about himself. And you could tell that he had this kind of, oh, like a, a very modest, but like a sheepish grin on his face that he was being talked about, and he was reading about himself being talked about, and 
Fred Mates has said what a wonderful reader he was and how he was his favorite reader. And that was, that was kind of cute. How old would Scorby have been? He was born in 1913, so uh, we're very close to the 100th anniversary there. I guess, what does that make him, 96 this uh, today? Yeah, I think that's 96 would be right in it. Well, let's see. 70, uh, 87 plus 9, yeah, 96. We had the privilege of listening to him in Philadelphia at our my first uh, ACB convention in 84 over the phone, and he was, uh, you know, Near the end, he was weak, but he, you could hear that voice, and you could have heard a pin drop in that huge auditorium. Well, um, he came to our New Jersey Library for the Blind to um, uh, speak to us, and I don't know the year. That's the problem. I don't remember what year. But he was such a delight, and I tried to ask him a question, and there were so many people in the auditorium, it was just impossible. And um, but he told us some stories. We were just roaring. He was he was such a charming man, and just so you just wanted to throw yourself at him. I mean, it's like I felt like I could be a teenager, and I certainly was not then. But um, he he was just so awe-inspiring, and you just I mean, some readers are okay, but some of them are just just giants and he probably was the king of all the readers maybe I mean I just loved him oh I can I can mention so many readers that were good and so many that were excellent but Scorby very 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 special person and really cared about the people that he read for I think he just got that feeling Don says one thing I remember uh, hearing him speak in Philadelphia was that he spoke with as much class as he read, and that's exactly correct. He, I recall that meeting as well. I was there. It was also my first convention of any kind like that, and uh, he just did a magnificent job and and uh, spoke so well. In you know, he was quite old by then, obviously, and had I think was no longer reading books on any kind of a regular basis by that point in time. Although I could be wrong about that. Um, but it was, yeah, he did a magnificent job there, and uh, as you say, he he achieved real celebrity status. I don't think it was coincidental that the uh, awards were named the Scorby Awards uh, in his honor, because he certainly had much of the, the the vote of the you know the folks who listened to his narrations over the years. Any other thoughts on uh, on Scorby? I wonder how many of his other books have been saved. I'm afraid I'm afraid they've lost some of them because I know they re-recorded some books. But uh, I was so happy to see that they did War and Peace. Yeah, I don't, I don't know that answer, Don. Obviously, and, and I, unfortunately, uh, the some of the NLS folks who are actually on the list um, aren't here, and I wouldn't have expected them to be. As, but they might have a better understanding of what what they found and what they were able to preserve it is sad to think that uh, so much of what he wrote was is or recorded I should say is no longer uh, you know going to be available to us in a very short period of time and to all practical purposes really isn't anymore uh, a lot of the cassettes are if they're out there they squeak <laughs> uh, and the records of course are just not you know not a, not out there any longer but 
Anyway, uh, I don't have a clue as to how many he saved, and I, I know once I did check the Bard site to see how many were up there, and I've forgotten that number as well. Well, many of the readers that we remember, um, like House Jameson, was, we were talking in a, a group, uh, I think last night, Bob was in it. No, I don't know when it was. It doesn't really matter. But uh, somebody mentioned House Jameson, and he was an outstanding actor slash reader and I doubt that many of his things are there and it's just really just a terrible shame that they have not been able to archive these things. Oh, they have all kinds of excuses that the records are old and scratched and of course that may be true but you wonder about the masters uh, of the recordings and it's just really a shame because these people were so talented and I'm not saying that readers are bad today but they sort of don't have that ability uh, that actors that had to use their voices within the radio framework uh, people today don't know how to do that yeah I just did a search on the BART site with uh, his name in the in the search box and got 41 hits uh, where he's the, uh, the the narrator. So uh, I hadn't searched Voyager to see how many cassette books. I'm sure there'll be many more there, but uh, that's the number from the Bard site. I have to leave right now, folks, but I just wanted to thank everybody for being part of this. It's been wonderful hearing everybody's voices. And this is Mary signing off. i got to go do something else right now. Mary, thank you so much for being here. It's wonderful to have you and uh, everyone else as well. We're going to wind this up in just a couple of minutes ourselves because I did promise Bob we'd clean up the room and kind of leave things in an orderly fashion here, uh, as so to speak. I also want to thank Bob for allowing us to be here tonight. This was a huge, generous thing, and, and we're really grateful for the for his kindness in giving us the opportunity to be part of this. So. Um, Thanks all for, for coming. Yeah, 41 books is kind of a drop in the bucket, but I guess the other, the more positive way to look at it is that it's 41 books that we wouldn't have had uh, perhaps otherwise. Yeah, thanks, thanks Bob, for the room, and thanks, Nolan, for, for leading the discussion. It's, it's been really good to, to do this. And, uh, again, who, whose ever idea it was to do the Fall Classic, I'm, I'm most appreciative because this is something I never would have read otherwise. And, uh I feel better for having done so. I'm going to see if Trisha can jump in. And she found a quote from Scorby himself, and maybe that's a good way to sort of wrap this up tonight. Um, there's some debate as to whether she's going to be able to switch windows and still talk, but I think we can get her through it. Hold on just a second. Perhaps an alt tab will do it. Well, let me quickly say it's it's just such an honor to meet all of you. Some I know better than others, but you guys are just amazing readers. And when you review books, boy... I usually download them, and I thank you so much. Okay, guys, we're going to see how well this works. Um, I actually did not obviously grow up listening to Scorby. That um, If I did, I wouldn't have known who that was. Um, so I actually looked him up on Wikipedia just to kind of see, you know, how, you know, his life, how old he was, that sort of thing. But there is a quote, a piece of a letter that he wrote that I thought was pretty apropos to what we've been talking about Um it says, although Scorby made voice recordings of over 500 different books, he considered the Bible to be his most important. He describes why in the following letter. 
It is the one book that has the power to inspire, encourage, comfort, and change the life of the person who hears it. I know this is I know this because during the many years since I narrated the Bible, numerous people have written thanking me for creating such a beautiful reading. I have been greatly humbled and moved by the many letters I have received from people around the world telling me how God used the Bible narrations to change their lives and the lives of their loved ones, encouraged them in their hour of need, and even healed them as they listened to the words of life. Um, and I thought that was that was a, a pretty neat thing, considering you know who would have thought how many how many of us have read uh, War and Peace and even just obviously been changed in that, you know, just from the discussion we've been having and um, things like that. So uh, I, I add my thanks to, to Dad and obviously probably Don, although this is the most silent I think I've ever seen him, um, for attending the, the our little group this evening and for doing it. And actually the contest, that's more my, my contribution to the list and that's been extremely fun reading everyone's responses and, and different things. So thank you all for that. How do I turn this off? Hold out, hold out. Okay, thank you for that. Um, folks, I guess we'll go ahead and wrap it up. I'm going to give everybody one final shot here. May I just very quickly, before we wrap up, again, thank Bob for the use of the, the room and his generosity. Thank all of you for coming. May I share with you super quickly a story about why um, our co-moderator, co Don, is, is probably the best co-moderator anywhere on the Internet. Um, in mid-October, and I won't burden all of you with it too much except to, to give you the background, in mid-October, the guide dog with whom I'd been partnered for 20 months was diagnosed with high-grade lymphoma, and she was euthanized on the 26th. And uh, I kind of let the bottom fall out <laughs> for uh, several days there, and... I sent an email to Don and said, you know, you, you're going to have to just run the list because I'm just in no shape to do it <laughs> for, for a few days. And without any hesitation or, or complaint, he simply stepped up and took care of all that behind-the-scenes goofiness that happens in the world of list moderation and stuff that just would have been more tedious and difficult for me to do under those circumstances. I had... Uh, it was a textbook classic case of situational um, depression, if you will. I you know, couldn't concentrate for a while and tended to forget things. Um, left my Victor stream lying somewhere for three days without knowing where I'd left it. And usually when I do that for more than three seconds, it's panic time. So uh, <laughs> you can understand the contrast. In any event, the point to be made is uh, not my difficulty, but his valiance. And uh, he stepped up and and did a, a magnificent job in, in my absence, not literally perhaps, but in every other way. I was absent for, for several days. So I'm grateful to have him uh, involved in the list. It's a labor of love for him, something he doesn't have to do, and uh, he's done a great job, especially in recent weeks, uh, been invaluable to me. So uh, my hat's off to him publicly, and he already knows privately how I feel, I hope. But uh, we'll cover that ground later, I guess. Any other, any others of you with any final thoughts before we bring this to a close? I'm so glad you could come, and you've made it such a great success. And I'll turn the microphone to the rest of you to, to wrap up uh, from your perspective. Well, Nolan, I want to thank you and Don for such a wonderful, wonderful list. I am an avid reader, and I just, the books that have been put on the list, many I've read, many 
I haven't read and put on a list of books to be read. And the books of uh, the list of books to be read gets longer and longer and longer. <gasps> I've got to read this. I want to read that. I've got to have this now. And I download and download and download. And I just can't get enough. And when I discovered your list, I had a feeling it would be a treasure trove. And it certainly is. So I want to really thank you uh, for making my life very, very, very good. And, um, and of course, uh, the discussion tonight, I haven't read War and Peace. Well, I read a little bit of it. But um, it just makes me want to read it possibly again and just want to thank you. Well, this has been a fun way to spend a Friday the 13th when <laughs> I realized that uh, um, Alexander Scorby's birthday was on Friday the 13th. I wrote Nolan and I said, um, I, I hope everything will work out on this day. Um, and everything has been relatively good. But um, I enjoy the list. I don't review books. I love to read and I've read a lot of books, a lot of the books that have been recommended by other um, GB review members. Um, but I just, I'm just not into reviewing. Hopefully someday I will get my courage and I will actually review a book. But um, I appreciate the work that uh, Nolan and Don put into this list. It's, um, it's one of the first folders I check when I turn on my computer. And Bob, thanks so much for letting us use the room. It's been a, it's been a fun way to spend a, a Friday night. And um, take care, everybody. I have to second, third, fourth, that, whatever. Um, Nolan and Don, you guys are great. I mean, <laughs> I love to read too, as does everybody here. And I, when I first heard of this list, I'm like, oh, I gotta be there. I gotta be there. I gotta be there. Because I just got in my Victor stream a little bit ago. I had then. And I was like looking for books. And I'm like, oh, this is perfect. So now I got about a million books on my hard drive. But. Bob, thank you so much for um, offering this room to meet together. And this has been awesome. Like you said, it's a great thing to do on a snowy, wintry Friday night. And I just want to say thank you. It was really, really fun. Well, let me quickly say thank you, everybody. You don't have to thank me. It was just uh, an honor to do it. I want to thank Don and, and Nolan, even when they correct us when we do something that Maybe it's a little off topic. It's so they're so nice about it. You want to do right, and uh, we appreciate that. And uh, Nolan, my heart goes out to you. I'm a guide dog user for many, many years, and I've lost a few, and it tears your heart out. But you'll they'll they'll always have a part of your heart. You'll never forget each dog, and uh, they all have a special place. I know some of you haven't jumped in, and I don't want you to go away until you get that chance. I'm very quickly. Um, on a happier note and a good note, I want to remind you and I plead with you to start thinking about your favorite book of 2009. You need to start thinking about that. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to make the announcement in, in December, early December, and you'll get to vote. And We'll give you an email address to send your vote to, not the list. And uh, we're going to try to give a prize again this year to the... Um, to a person whose name is drawn at the end of, or in the beginning of the brand new year, um, just like we did in 2008.
And so please start thinking now about your favorite fiction and nonfiction book of 2009. It's one you read in 2009. doesn't have to be published during that year. But anyway, we'll get the list announcement out to you in early December on that. Uh, once I run it by Don and make sure it's uh, readable and all that stuff. Also, in the spring, we, we are going to talk about the possibility of another fall classic. It will not be as long as War and Peace. That you have my solemn promise on. Um, but it will be drawn from the classics, uh, you know, the classic section on the Bard site. And I suspect we'll let individuals sort of talk about what they'd like to do during the, the 2010 fall. So there probably will be another fall classic. And maybe just maybe sometime uh, in November again in 2010, Bob will give us the opportunity to meet here if that's uh, at all possible. So do do start thinking about those things as um, we draw near the end of the year, especially your your nominations for the, your favorite book. That was a fun contest last uh, year, and we're going to do it again and I think do a, another prize. So uh, those of you who haven't yet had a chance, please chime in. I really am going to be quiet and let you. Um, I want to thank everyone who organized this. I know it's been done before, but I think this was a wonderful thing to do. I'm very glad to be on this list. Um, I love reading, and it's wonderful to be on a list with so many people who enjoy one of the same things that I do. Uh, and it's a wonderful thing to read so many reviews. Uh, I know I haven't done many lately. I have a whole backlog of books that I need to write reviews on. Um, a final note I finally got this software to work and I'm able to talk using it whatever the cause of that is uh, and I'm so glad that this was the this was the time that I was able to get it to work um, I've had a wonderful time and I'm glad that this um, this was the place that that I could uh, that I could get this to work um, in a room with so many wonderful people who like the same wonderful pastime that I do I just want to echo what Aaron said. Thank you, Don, and thank you, Nolan, for all your hard work. I know it's a lot of hard work at running that list, and uh, it's given me uh, countless books that I never would have read otherwise. And uh, uh, just keep up the good work. We're we're enjoying it, and uh, uh, I, I'm going to continue to participate. And uh, I really enjoy these these get-togethers as well too. And thank y'all so much for all the hard work. Happy birthday, Alexander Scorby. Um, without this anniversary of your birth, this get-together would not have been possible. So um, it's all in your honor, sir. Nolan, I want to thank you for the wonderful list that you've set up. I always wanted to have a, a list kind of like that, and you've managed to keep most of us on subject, and uh, I hope you continue doing it. I'll try to contribute more reviews. I've been busy with other things, but uh, we'll try. Okay, well, folks, uh, Bob is gone, is gone, so I think that's an indication that uh, we probably can close her down here. Um, thanks to all of you for coming. It was really, you've made it a huge success. Your membership in DB Review has made that a huge success. We have right around 200 subscribers. I haven't checked in recent days. Um, that's kind of phenomenal. I didn't know two years ago, almost two years ago, that we would ever get that big. And uh, granted, some of them have gone no mail and haven't, uh, come back for a long time and I may do a sweep of some of those eventually down the road and see if they really ever still want to come back and, and get the mail but of that 200 the vast vast majority are continuing to get the mail and uh, many are contributing still so and that includes a lot of you in the room so uh, you have all impacted my life in ways that you 
will never realize fully lifted it and uh, changed it and improved it so I'm grateful for your friendship for your association uh, on the list especially and you guys are the ones who've helped make it what it is uh, it, it's easy to moderate in some regards a list where the uh, scholarship is as high as it is on our list and the sense of civility and decency is is as high as it is you guys are among the best people on the net so as I've said in my emails so thanks for coming good night and uh, we'll sweep up the streamers and the party hats and all that stuff and uh, hopefully leave the place uh, ready for the next group good night